Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right. Yeah. We're into it, bro. Hey, I miss you, man. I miss you. I miss you. I miss you too, Tom Heinberg. <laughs> Even though we see each other every week, it doesn't matter because, you know, the missing is, is eternal. People on the podcast are going to uh, be like, I thought they were in the same room right now. This is remote, people. It's an illusion. Yeah. This is show business. Everything's an, but Tom, everything's an illusion. We've discussed <laughs> this. We've made this point. So spe- speaking, of, speaking of illusions, catch me up. You just, you just moved into a new house and are surrounded by white people. Tell me about this. Dude, okay. So my neighborhood is aggressively white. Like this is the first time in my life I've ever lived in a neighborhood where Literally, like, I was five minutes late to do this podcast with you because the next door neighbor, who is super nice, was bringing me brownies and, like, white, like, beautiful white blonde women, like, power walk together in my neighborhood and everybody's dog is mixed with a poodle, some kind of poodle breed. (laughs) Every time I meet a dog, I'm like, what kind of poodle is this dog? And they're like, oh, this one, this one's a cavit poo. And I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. What about this one? Man. This one's a Labradoodle. Hmm, good to know. <laughs> like, this is, it's, it's like leave it to beaver shit uh, over here. <laughs> it's, that, it's, that, it's you strange. Know, I'm, I'm oddly jealous. I'm oddly jealous. I'm in the same, I'm in the equivalent neighborhood, but for Asians. <laughs> so everybody, everybody's like aggressively Asian here. So they're all like, hey, so um, uh, let me, uh, let me see. So which Kumon branches your kid in doing their maths <laughs> and I, i'm like I, I i didn't know that was something that we needed to do oh you're not in kumas for the math oh man yeah when i when i was in your cul-de-sac uh some little asian boy who was about five years old ran up to me and smacked me on the ass and i was like okay this is interesting <laughs> oh man this is where this is a cue george to Welcome to San Francisco. San Francisco. <laughs> I was born there. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, we should dig into the meat of this today. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the response to um, our vaping episode, and also because yeah, I think it's we should talk about the allergy thing too. But I think the vaping response was really interesting because did you notice what I noticed in the comments that uh, the people that vape are fucking pissed at you? <laughs> Oh my God. So it's amazing. And I, people are pissed at me all the time. I did that What the Health documentary takedown and all the vegans were butthurt for like a year and all it did was get us more views and more subscribers. So keep let the hate flow, right? But it's interesting because they have something in common. So now the vapors, because I basically said, look, vaping is dumb. Um, we don't know that it's safe. 
Cigarettes are bad, okay? Like, how about you do none of that? There's other ways you can chill, right? Uh, if you if you're trying, if your risk tolerance is low and you're trying to be safe, you shouldn't be doing these things. Now, if you have an unlimited risk tolerance, you don't care, you want to rage and have fun. Hey all the power to you. The problem is that these people are saying, no, vaping is a much safer alternative to smoking and it's saving lives and so on. And that's their stance. Now, here's the thing. How about this? How about you figure out a way and you can use vaping as a transition to stop doing any of that shit? Yeah. You actually don't need it as a human being. It's not required for life. So why are you out there defending and projecting your own weirdness onto some doctor who's like, look, guys, we should be careful because we don't know enough about this stuff. It's right? kind of, it's, People are dying. It's almost yeah, like yeah. being in an abusive relationship where they're like, you don't, you don't know me in vaping, dude. When vaping and me are alone together, he treats me really nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this isn't uh, this isn't lung injury. I just walked into a a door with my lung. Like, yeah, what, I, I, I. What I'm saying is like, why chance it? You know what I mean? Like, you don't need to vape. So why why are you chancing damage to your lungs? Well, so the way I uh, the way I interpret this is these people are addicted to either nicotine, the process of vaping. T they're, they're really dependent on THC, whatever it is they're vaping, and their identity is surround is kind of in, in, totally involuted into this space. So then along comes Baldy McBald, the doctor, and goes, hey guys, like you, we should think twice about this. And they're like, wait a minute, man, you're attacking my core identity. This vaping, so I actually had a supporter, someone who's paying to subscribe, who loudly unsubscribed because she was so upset about my stance on vaping. I'm like, wait, you're upset that I would say that it's probably not a good idea to inhale a bunch of weird chemicals into your lungs that aren't oxygen? Like, right. that's strange? Yeah. What would you want me to say? Oh, I think we should vape? Like, come on, dude. Now, and the truth is, look, if you want to go and do it, Tom Heineber, ZDog MD, Logan Stewart, if you want to go and vape, you go and do it, but understand that there are risks to it. And if you, if you wrap your whole identity around it, just like the vegans are wrapping their identity around being a vegan, or the keto people are wrapping their identity around being a keto, or carnivores are wrapping their identity about, around being having the lion diet and then going to rehab for clonopin addiction like uh, Jordan Jordan Peterson, poor guy. From right. Firm, actually. Did you hear about this? Yeah. That's his, really bad, actually. Well, it was, be, it was because his wife is going through, was going through or is going through a pretty severe cancer at the moment. And, yeah, and his yeah. their whole family seems to be very anxious. His I've heard his daughter talk about her, um, you know, anxiety symptoms, extreme anxiety symptoms, and things like that. So I think that's a genetic thing for the Peterson clan. But here, here's what I want to say about the vaping thing. Okay, people, I think people need to understand the way that you doctors think because the the thing we titled our video was is vaping safe? A doctor talks e-cigarettes and lung disease. If you talk, mm. like I'm a normal person, I think like a normal person. And so I, I think taking Tylenol is nothing, right? But if you talk to a doctor about taking Tylenol, they'd be like, I don't know, bro, do you need that Tylenol? You probably shouldn't take it. You know, we don't know how it works. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So this, this doctors are always going to be cautious. Okay. They're like lawyers for your body. Like that is their job to be cautious. It's your job to not listen and go out and vape them if you got them. 
You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Exactly. No, I think I think that's exactly right. And and again, it's irresponsible if I go out there and say, "Oh man, just go ahead and vape, bro, because it's all good." And we, you know, it's mostly safe. It's like, yeah, okay, that's all. Maybe that's true. But the thing is, why? And this is part of the problem. Okay, and from a public health standpoint, kids are going out and using nicotine and THC com- containing vape products when they wouldn't have before. Smoking rates were declining. And now we're we have this new delicious jewel thing with the flavored stuff and people kids love it. And now they're starting something that they never would have started. Now that's just dumb. Now now you're getting into damage, right? Right. Because now they're addicted to something. Now look, I mean, I'm addicted to coffee. Uh, I'm addicted to uh, watching terrible Netflix documentaries and tearing them apart. I'm addicted to porn. We're all addicted to something. Thousand percent, you are exactly, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I can quit <laughs> anytime explains, I want, man. Okay, you know, every time I change the password on the work Macintosh, it somehow gets hacked, and <laughs> and then I look at the history, and you always forget to delete it, and I'm like, I didn't even know that kind of porn existed. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? But, about, but, what do you, you think about all the comments though that are saying like, well, "Hey, man, it's just all black market THC," and like, you know, you shouldn't like malign vaping, man. Well. Okay, maybe, let's say that's true. Um, What is it about standard vaping then that we know is entirely safe and effective and harmless? We we know nothing about that. We have limited data. It's always spun and cherry-picked the way you want it to be. It took us a long time to figure out that cigarettes cause all these problems. Could it take a long time for vaping? Sure. You're inhaling a, you know, propellant that's heated into your lungs and we just don't know enough about it. Now, again, is it better than smoking? Maybe. I actually don't know enough about that specific um, question because the data comparing a head-to-head smoking and vaping probably hasn't been done at a trial uh, level that's that's significant to answer that question. So again, we're just kind of speculating from first principles and intuition, which is often wrong. And so I think what's happening is you're seeing people who are very triggered. And I use this word actually when I tweeted about it. People are going to be triggered. And they are. They're all over Twitter being triggered everywhere. This bald dickhead <laughs> out there talking shit. He's a murderer. Like, what? What? <laughs> I saw I in the YouTube shit. comment sections, it was like big tobacco and they're fake lies as if we're getting money yeah. money from rj reynolds oh my God. you know what i mean but how on, much would you oh, kill would, to have rj reynolds oh money? my Come god on. so much like the marlboro man you know what i'm saying oh he was oh. he was handsome uh no so <laughs> much macho exactly well what, what i'm saying too is like okay and maybe the media is being just as triggered because you know i've been seeing these reports about vaping and it's like six teenagers have died from vaping and Okay, maybe that's true, but here's the thing. Statistically, six people is basically zero people. Six people probably died yeah. from multivitamin use, you know? like yeah, No, no, you're right. Yeah. Actually, supplements probably kill more people. That, but, but the truth is it's a sign. It's like a canary. Like, okay, well, what's going on that we're missing? And moreover than the deaths, which are actually not that many, there are the cases of lung disease that are showing up in ICUs that we're seeing that are, that are more numerous. And so the question is, there, there's some adulterant, there's something going on, and whether it's black market or what, the, the, my point in the video was, well, maybe you should not start vaping and maybe you should stop vaping until we figure it out. Because one thing we do know, if you're going to smoke a cigarette once, you're probably not going to end up with acute respiratory distress syndrome. Right. right? It just, right. It's just not, not so common. 
Um, but again, anything's possible and everybody has different. Some people have hypersensitivity pneumonitis, which is a kind of an inflammation of the lung from whatever compound. It can be from almost anything, right? And so you never, you're never risk-free in life. My job is to explain, well, this is the nature of the risk. Are you willing to take it? If you're out there telling people this is safe, well, what, what, define that. What do you mean? Because if you're the kid that ends up on a ventilator or dies and you're the parents of that kid, well, that wasn't very safe. And um, so you have to, again, you have now the anti-vax people will say, well, that's what we're saying about vaccines, man. But the, here's the, the thing with vaccines, the predominance of the effect is actually saving lives. And so you may have an adverse event in however many hundreds of thousands, but on average, you're actually preventing a lot more adverse events. By the way, do you see the Bill Gates documentary on Netflix talking uh, about polio? I haven't watched it yet. Is it good? You know what? I don't know whether it's good. I know this. It's compelling. Mm. I found it very, very watchable. The guy, it's a fluff piece for Gates, right? Of like course. they pretend to, you know, they pretend to talk some smack about him. But in general, but I thought it was interesting to see how his mind works and how he attacks these public health issues like diarrhea. Like he'll bring a big old like jar of human feces on a stage at like Davos and talk about how this is like poisoning people in these latrines in the in the in the third world and his polio eradication efforts but again he's talking about like ameliorating a, a terrible disease with vaccines and so it's not a comparable thing vaping and vaccines well i saw this you know the, well here's the other thing too like i'm a person who has a strong like liberty is a strong moral flavoring for me i really love liberty i think you should be able to do whatever the fuck you want to do as long as it doesn't harm another person and so yeah. vape them if you got them i say vape until you die i don't care but vaccines are a different story because your kid could pass a disease to my kid and that infringes on my liberty so get fucked uh, yeah, I'm with you. And actually, as a fellow kind of liberty predominant guy who's a little oppositional defiant, I, I'm also with that. Hey, I'm not saying illegalize vaping. In fact, I'm a kind of legalize everything kind of guy, but you may want to regulate it. You may want to study it. You may want to tax it. You may, I mean, those kind of things that'll help the common good from whatever downside the vaping may cause. Because if we're increasing healthcare costs, we have to pay for that somehow. Oh, because you're speaking, make, of, yeah. speaking of regulating people's behavior. Did you see the thing that Andrew Yang said about regulating, or uh, he was going to, he wanted to tax beef so much that it was basically stricken from the American diet? Oh, wow. I didn't see that. You're a liberal pussy. Explain to me what's with the war on uh, steak. Like, wh what's why, why do the liberals hate meat? I don't understand. It's, it, it, you're a doctor. Is meat not one of the most nutritious foods on the planet? So here's, here's the deal with meat, I think, from the left, all right? And again, I don't, I'm not saying I agree with all this, but I, this, is, this is the thinking. It takes a shit ton of water, uh, land, feed, antibiotics, and other stuff to raise a single cow that will produce, you know, X number of pounds of meat. It's extremely expensive. It's hard on the, uh, on the environment, the ecosystem, and potentially the animal if the animal is capable of suffering and it's in a feedlot and it's not allowed to do what it normally does, right? So the theory with this is, well, with that same amount of money, water, and effort, you could grow a shit ton more 
other stuff, uh, mostly plant-based stuff. And that's the argument. I th- Oh, and also the greenhouse gas component of methane from cows and from um, the feed production and all of that and the fertilizers and everything is it, you have to factor that in. So there's all these unseen costs of beef. And so I imagine, and I haven't seen Yang's proposal on this, but I imagine what he's saying is, well, let's, let's try to quantify those costs and... Uh, and work on them through taxation by discouraging the, inf- you, in other words, making those costs real for people trying to grow beef. Yeah, you, na- uh, you, well, you, nailed, you nailed it. That's his argument. But what I'm saying is, you know, th- like, for instance, they're doing a lot of California schools are doing meatless meals or going entirely meatless because, you know, it's a it's an ideological bent that these people who are, you know, heavily liberal think that a vegan type diet is better for children. And what ends up happening is they just end up eating carbs with tomato paste on it. You know what I mean? It's these crappy mm. junk pizza things. Um, uh, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. And and actually, so this is where I actually diverge from this thing. I actually think we should be ethically raising uh, a certain amounts of beef. I think we should learn how to sell culture steak, like do it in a lab. Then it's actually cleaner. There's less environmental destruction, et cetera, because I think it's nutrient dense. I actually do think it's part of a healthy diet for many people, unless you have you know certain genetics. And I think the vegetarian uh, equivalent has to be done thoughtfully, and it isn't always. You're right. It's just here's a bunch of carbs and refined refined carbs at that. So it, it's not necessarily better. And and the other thing is, I think. Um, uh, so recently I had the impossible Whopper because Oh, you DoorDash actually ate doing, one of those? You ate one of those they things? They were Door, DoorDash scammed me and they were like, you know what? Uh, we'll give you free delivery if you try the impossible Whopper. And my kids were like begging for Burger King. It's like their special treat. They get it once in a blue moon. I'm like, all right. I, the wife is working late. There's no food. I'm not cooking because I'm a loser. I'm going to order DoorDash Burger King because the kids like it. And I want to try this Impossible Whopper because I get a deal, free delivery. So I got an Impossible Whopper and a Standard Whopper and a Bacon King because I'm fat as fuck, Tom Heinberg, <laughs> and I like that Bacon King. and Because I'm like, if I'm going to splurge, I'm going to splurge on this. It's going to be like, you know, comfort food. And so the kids had their little, you know, little cheeseburgers and McNuggets, or I guess they call them chicken nuggets at Burger King because McNugget is, you know, copyright. And so <laughs> I, had, I had them side by side. I took a bite of the Impossible Whopper, and I was like, damn. This actually tastes legit. Of course, it's slathered in all kinds of special sauce. Uh, it's it's covered in like refined bun, mm-hmm. and it's and it tasted the texture was fine, and I didn't think much of it. Then I took a bite of the regular Whopper, and I'm like, oh yeah, the regular Whopper is the shit. Yep, because it had that flame broiled deliciousness. Now side by side, I preferred the Whopper, but I could have totally eaten the Impossible Burger. Should I have eaten? the Impossible Burger. It's probably highly processed, probably full of salt and additives. God knows what. Is it healthier than this than the beef version? I actually don't know, but I wouldn't bet that it is. No, I think it's so, I think it's much more unhealthy, uh, in fact. Mm, is is what I we just don't is, know. I can look up the ingredients right now. We can we can discover what's in them. But what my my basic oh, my basic yeah. point is just like you know, the government, we all saw how badly the government fucked up the food pyramid. Because according to the government, it's like, we should all just be eating loaves of bread for every meal, you know? And, yeah. And so, yeah. why should we let them regulate what we're supposed to put in our bodies? Fuck that, you know? 
Well, yeah, I hear you. I think I certainly wouldn't say outlaw anything, but I guess taxation is a way of shaping the path, right? So it's like if you want to encourage a type of behavior, then you use taxes as that kind of uh, tool. Now, the question is, is it going to be effective? Is it going to be done wisely? And will there be untoward side effects like gaming and different uh, different problems that result from that? Well, there almost always are. Yeah, 100%. But um, yeah, I mean, and this is where you and I are a little philosophically opposed, right? So I'm always like, well, a little bit of nanny state to guide uh, behavior that is shown to be good uh, may not be a bad thing. Whereas you're like, well, first of all, they don't know that this behavior is good. And second of all, it always backfires. There's always a, uh, you know, a uh, un- untoward side effect. Like, hey, let's say everyone should have a, a-, a electronic health record. Well, now we have a shit show. Dude, right? dude, because, by the way, when you type uh, yeah. in ingredients in, the first result is ingredients in the Impossible Burger. The second result is ingredients wow. in Benadryl. And the third result <laughs> is ingredients in mayo. A lot of people don't know what's in mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> so here, here are That's the... That's amazing. We here, need an impossible mayo. Here are the ingredients. It's water, pea protein isolate, expeller pressed canola oil, refined coconut oil, cellulose from bamboo, potato starch, sunflower oil. You're just eating a, a bunch of oil, basically. Oh, my God. You know? Oh, my God. Dude, so they basically swapped out beef fat, which is a type of saturated steric acid. I forget what exactly For industrial seed oils, yeah. For industrial seed oil, which I'm sure the farming industry loves that, but uh, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. So how is that going to be better? Now, remember, coconut oil in general, it's a a mixed bag, but those oils, oh, my God, and who knows how they process them, right? So sometimes when you heat them, if you if you tweak them remember trans fats my my, my favorite rapper my, my brother trans fat did we yeah, ever, I mean, that, did we ever was, tell the audience about trans fat that was a it was a really stupid think, idea that me and z had where we wanted to create a rapper who was irrelevant so he gained relevance by becoming trans and his name was trans fat but then he actually had to go go through with becoming trans but he was lying the whole time it was basically juana man updated for the modern era you know and you know what? That's what we need is Juana Man 2000. Let me tell you this, though. Even that we're in 2020. <laughs> you know, I live my life according to the principles uh, espoused in Juana Man. Um, <laughs> well, here's the thing. Just by the very fact that the Impossible Burger exists, I think it backs my argument. Because it's a burger. It's, you know what I mean? Like, it's a yeah. meat substitute. Humans need meat. Why, why would some presidential candidate want to take away meat from people. It's probably the reason the human brain size doubled. Uh, like it's, it's, you know, meat is probably the foundational building block for our entire, uh, society. If you really think about it. And it's one of like, when you look at Aboriginal culture in, um, you know, New Zealand and in Australia, they were eating basically a pure meat diet, um, with some nuts and berries, you know, hunter gatherer type stuff, paleolithic type diet. And they, they were like the most cut up Superman looking dudes you've ever seen in your life. Then they get fed a, a modern westernized diet and they look like everybody at Walmart, except they're an aboriginal version <laughs> of everybody at Walmart. You know, you know what? I just realized like aboriginal Walmart is an amazing idea. <laughs> like uh, you, you just put a big box, but it's a hut, right? With right. Uh, straw and shit right in the middle of the Amazon. And these guys just show up and they're like, and you get like, you know, there's a greeter there who's like got those weird things in their ears, you know, the whole 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 plates yeah is this racist what i'm saying or yeah is it cultural? oh it's totally racist yeah 
all of the above. So, okay, back to this this, this question. <laughs> this is absolutely so. Hunter gatherer uh, populations they really have a healthy way of being because they're super active. They eat and they fast. Um, they hunt their own food. That's wonderful. Now the question though, then that we're asking, or we're not asking it, but I'm asking it now is how do you scale a cow based diet to China, where now they're like, hey, we've been doing fine with vegetables and rice for millennia, but now we want that Western beef because of McDonald's and Burger King and just, you know, we want that. How do you scale that without destroying uh, the environment given the amount of, you know, pollution that results and costs that results from growing beef? Well, it's so interesting my, my because feeling is, if, you look yeah. up the, if you look up the stats, I think that um, methane, it really is only accounting for like 3% uh, emissions from beef. Okay, the actual emissions from the cows themselves are, account for like 3% of CO2 production, right? But, you know, I get the ecological argument where there's a lot of things surrounding the cows. But, you know, it still can't be much higher than maybe, what, 8% or something? If you look at heavy industry, heavy industry is accounting for like 35%. So I think our, right, right. I think well, our, fo well, our focus is in the wrong place. And, you know, that affects people's health, whereas making all the cars electric doesn't affect people's health. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Well, so, okay, let, that's interesting to discuss because uh, it's, it, you know, the methane is actually a more potent greenhouse gas. So that's the argument. But let's forget about that. I think what you said is actually true in the sense that we're, we're wrong about climate change in general. So in other words... Yes, there's climate change. Yes, it's human caused. But what what do you do about it? And I think the question is like the shit's out of the, like the horse is out of the barn. Like greenhouse, the, the, we're just continuing to rise. The developed world's continuing to develop. You can't go and tell them don't don't do what we did. I they're just not going to do it because you're going to cramp their economy. So what you need is not to nickel and dime burgers and worry about, my, well, I'm gonna get a Tesla so that my carbon footprint is less. <laughs> well, there's a, some industrial factory in Russia that is spewing a billion times what you're gonna put out with your stupid ass car. So we need a technological innovation, almost like a moonshot. Uh, I hate that term, by the way. It's yeah, so it's stupid. terrible. We, we, yeah, it's horrible. We need a kind of a, you know, whatever, get to the moon ethos to technologically solve this problem because it's already too late. We need to like put mirrors in space. We, we need to, you know, fix carbon, whatever it is. We need to geoengineer and people will be like, oh, oh you're going to destroy the planet. You don't know. Well, get better computers then and figure it out. But that's what we should be focusing on. Well, I otherwise, we're fucked. I think uh, the future of everything is probably heavy industry in space only. You know what I mean? That's what Musk wants to do, right? right. He wants to put all the factories on the moon and shit. I, th yeah. I think that's where we're ultimately heading because that seems to make the most sense. And then Earth is just like sort of a, you know, an eco bubble that we live inside of and we <laughs> keep nice. It's biodome. We, we make Earth biodome, bro. That, that's yeah earth is like a bedroom community you know <laughs> and then you cross the tracks to the moon and it's just industrial wasteland I, I i love it and then you have like second a whole second class like a subhuman class working on the moon just slaving oh we oh yo <laughs> the martians the or the, ever, the people that move to mars they'll be martians bro and then we'll go to war with them because we'll be like you guys left and now you're not like us and we're gonna kill you because we don't like things that are not like us <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. You can create a whole class of other just by shipping them off, having them live on Mars for a generation, and now they're the they're the foreigners. Do you want, I hey, love it. Do, Build a wall. Do you want to talk about the allergy testing thing? Because I think actually like we just did a YouTube video on this and I think our video is like four minutes long, but there's a lot to go into. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. So what happened was 
I had been seeing a lot of these because I keep my ear to the grind, the you know, the, the grindstone, uh, the ground. I don't know where <laughs> I keep my ear, but I keep my ear someplace, people. And I've been seeing a lot of these social media type girls be like, "Oh my god, you guys!" So here's the thing. I took a test, and it turns out that I am sensitive to glutens, and also to coconuts, and also to kiwis, and also to vodka and brown rice. So I just have eliminated those from my diet. <laughs> and I asked, I asked Z if he had seen these, and he goes, no, I've never seen them because I, I don't hang out on the same retarded channels you do on Instagram. I say, how dare you, Z? I live my life, bro. Um <laughs> <laughs> so we, I showed, I showed Z some of these videos and we, we dug into the testing, um, behind, you know, the, the methodology for the testing, these kits that are being sold, they're like 23 and me style kits that purport to tell you what you have food sensitivities to, but they're implying what you have food allergies to. So we did a, exactly. we did a video about it and then, you know, Z hit up Dave Stukas, who's allergy kids doc on Twitter. And he just told us basically the whole shit. And we were like, Oh, so it is all bullshit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And actually, so I took what Dave told me and I parsed it into a uh, into a, a web post. So there's actually at zdogmd.com with the with the allergy piece, there's all his sort of bullets and they're really, really helpful to go through because I couldn't go through all those in the video. And I, the way I do my videos is I just rant, I learn about it and then I rant about it in a one take thing. And so there's things I didn't say, there's clarifications I didn't make because I wanted to get the point out in a communicable way, right? So the, here's the deal with this. These people, these, these, these fuckers, what, what is, what is, what is, uh, uh, what's his name? Walter Sobchak saying the big Lebowski, man, these pieces of shit. I don't know what he talks about, <laughs> but he, they, this they, aggression they, cannot um, stand, man. Uh, Man, a line has been drawn, by the way. Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature. <laughs> it's Asian American. <laughs> it's an amazing movie. Uh, I say that to my wife all the time who's Chinese. Anytime <laughs> we get in an argument, I'm like, by the way, Chinaman is not the preferred nomenclature. Um, so the, the idea here is that they are offering these IgG antibody home blood tests for quote unquote food sensitivity. They don't say food allergy because they know that the FDA or whoever will regulate them out of existence. So they make up this food sensitivity thing and they test for these antibodies. Now here's how this thing works in a nutshell. If you eat a food, there is a good chance that you are gonna create at some point some antibodies to the food as an as a, as a sign that you've been exposed to it. And those antibodies are often those memory antibodies like IgG that hang around. So just because you are positive for an IgG antibody for say egg, doesn't mean you have an intolerance or an allergy to egg. And on top of that, what is this idea of intolerance? Oh, well, it's not quite an allergy. It's just if I eat it, I get brain fog and sexual dysfunction and fatigue. And it's like, okay, you're making that shit up because you're just using words that go along actually with things like serious food insensitivity or sensitivity like gluten and neuropathy where people will get something called brain fog and they will get these serious, serious, and you're just pseudoscientifically extrapolating it to, oh, you know, beans give me gas when I go to, you know, Chevy's. Uh, and and that's complete nonsense. It's designed to help influencers on Instagram make money shilling a garbage test 
from a, a zero evidence base, and they'll, they'll cite studies that are all bullshit studies and cherry picked and without any you know proper evidence. They don't have normal uh, ranges for these antibodies, and then you go see a real allergist, and they're like, "This is not how this works." And there are some doctors, there are naturopaths, there are chiropractors, there are these quacks on YouTube that are shilling this stuff. Well, and it's like it's got to stop. It's kind of yeah. it's kind of like the alcohol thing. Like when you talk to people and they're like, you know, here's the thing: when I drink wine, I get a wine headache, okay? And when I drink vodka, I get a little saucy, you know, or whatever. And it's <laughs> and it's like, listen up, you idiots! It's all just alcohol. The only thing that the only variable that changes is, is the rate at which you consume it. You consume a shot in two seconds. That's why you feel drunker. You know, it's it's not that hard to figure out. It's uh, it's abject dumbassery, but but but, <laughs> but here's the thing. So the, the worst part of it is, then people get these tests back, and they're like, "Oh, now I can't eat I'm brown rice right. or like." And so um, it permanently yeah. changes their their dietary structure. Yep. And here's a simple way to do it without spending hundreds of dollars on these tests. If you think a food doesn't agree with you, in other words, you get bloating or abdominal discomfort, or you gird, or you can't sleep, or whatever, as food can do that. All right, that's just simply being alive. Some food, you just, it doesn't get along with you, right? So how about this? Cut the food out and see if you feel better. It's called an elimination trial. If you feel better, then don't eat the damn food. You don't need, you know, all this fancy testing, right? And you should just, if you are concerned about an actual food allergy, in other words, you eat something and these events have, these symptoms happen right away and it's reproducible, then you can see an allergist and they can do specific very guided testing with a high pretest probability that you, they're going to find something. Oh, um, oh, totally. It's it's yeah, it's crazy. Like, <laughs> but but people fall for pseudoscience all the time. Like normal people have not been taught how to think about pseudoscience, and it sounds it, it sounds good to us, and we want to believe. That's the that's the starting point. Is like we want to believe. You know, that there's a test yeah. out there that we can buy for a hundred bucks that comes in the mail and it tells us which foods not to eat and then we'll not eat those foods and then we'll be healthier for the rest of our life. It doesn't work that way, you know? Yeah, pe people want that magic thing. And, you know, you watch these people talking about their use of the product on YouTube, these influencers, and you're just like, wow, you have fallen hook, line, and sinker for the most pseudoscientific bullshit and you're just parroting it. And I think it's harming you. You start to feel bad for them because you're like, you know, you ought to be eating a diverse and varied diet that settles with you. You shouldn't be using these things to like explain symptoms that are probably due to something else, whether it's some depression of another root cause or some other issue that's that's going on. Yeah, there's, you know, there's this, um, have you heard Penn Jillette talk about his, how he lost like 200 pounds? Have you heard any of that? Didn't he? Didn't he eat a bunch of potatoes? Yeah, so he has this stupid diet where he ate a bunch of potatoes, right, for like six months. Mm. And then his, you know, whoever his dietary guru was like, oh, well, that's, you know, it's resetting your taste buds. And, and like, no, you idiot, it's an elimination diet. You're doing an elimination yeah. diet. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're eliminating everything except for potato starch and a little bit of fiber from the thing. And you're providing yourself with discipline. You're like, I'm only eating potatoes, which gives you some some control well and right? you're gonna lose weight because who the hell wants to eat a bunch of potatoes you're gonna be sick of eating hell potatoes yeah. after like day three i'm like dude i'm not looking at another potato ever again for the rest of my life yeah exactly you know exactly mr potato head you fuck with the wrong guy this is like, will cut you there's this brazilian jiu-jitsu famous brazilian jiu-jitsu family called the gracies and they all subscribe to this stupid thing where you eat one food at a time so if like if you're eating you know uh breakfast you'll you'll just eat mangoes and then for you know lunch you'll just eat rice <laughs> and then for dinner you'll just eat chicken you know yep 
it's a restriction diet. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and yeah. And you know, look, just call it what it is. Hey, I'm going to do a restriction diet because it works for me. Great. Yeah. You go do that. I think but don't extrapolate any ma- magical reason for that. I, I honestly believe that most diets that work are satiety based. And there was like a little graph I saw on uh, something the other day. And it was like, this is how much time it takes for your body to digest these specific foods. So like, you know, fruits get digested real quick and this get, and meat takes a long time. And people are looking at that yeah. and they're like, oh no, meat is sitting in your gut. That must be bad. I'm not going to eat meat. It's like, no, it's keeping you satiated. <laughs> It's giving Mm. you nutrition for that entire time. That's what's happening. Yeah. Fat fat in particular has a very high satiety producing quality. Right. Especially animal fat. Which is animal fat, you know, and, and... any fat really because it, because of the way it's it's um, digested it and and you know the hormones that are released when you eat it and the fact that you know it's interesting if you even look at fat you know your gallbladder might contract right yeah because there's a direct connection uh, part of this is my contrarian this is my contrarianism too where like you know people are like we should stop eating the cows and I'm like maybe I'm gonna go all carnivore fuck these people yeah you you're know? gonna go full uh, Peterson yeah exactly because I'm just so dis- exactly. disagreeable that I'm like if you think it's the right thing to do it's probably not so I'm gonna go the opposite it's direction probably a, probably a terrible idea yeah no I'm, I'm with you on that by the way so like to 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 rebring in Peterson, clonopin, which is what he was addicted yeah, tell to. Yeah, tell me a little bit about clonopin because I had had it explained to me that it's not quite like Xanax. I thought it was more like a Xanax type thing. And I know benzos are hard to withdraw from, but somebody was telling me clonopin is like one of the hardest things to withdraw from. Yeah, so so the idea with benzodiazepines, they're these you know uh, uh, drug class that work very similar to alcohol. Actually, their central nervous system depressants. I forget the exact effect on GABA, the GABA system, but but the the deal with them is very similar to alcohol. If you become dependent on them, if you stop them, you can have severe withdrawal, and that withdrawal can actually be physically deadly. So it can actually lead to a cascade of events uh, similar to, you know, like a delirium tremens where you, 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 your life is in danger. And, um, you know, autonomic instability, blood pressure, vital signs going crazy, fevers, chills, and potentially, you know, true delirium along with the, the things that come with that, like aspiration pneumonia and, and people like that. I've seen people die of this stuff in the hospital, even with treatment. So <clears throat> it, it, it can be a big deal. So the reason clonopin is particularly bad, and Xanax is similar-ish, but something like Valium, uh, is a little bit different because it's longer acting. Uh, Librium is even longer acting than that. So the shorter acting the benzodiazepine, like clonopin, which is typically like a three times a day-ish kind of deal, uh, the more addictive, the the higher the, uh, or the more likely to cause a, a dependence. Right, And that right. if you if you withdraw it, because it, doesn't, it just doesn't taper over a long period, it, it it's up and down, up and down. And so I actually feel bad be- for him because he probably was using it just as needed for anxiety and then found you know more and more and more and more and uh this is not uncommon it's very very common especially among healthcare practitioners who have access to the stuff uh it's a commonly abused and dependency inducing drug what i don't like about um you know benzodiazepines and i've taken them before is not not for anxiety just a party Uh, but (laughs) but what i've found with them is that i don't i get a rebound anxiety effect that i do not enjoy um, so I feel pretty chilled out when I'm on them. And then afterwards, I feel more anxious than, than ever, much above my baseline. 
And that is no surprise because when that GABA effect wears off, it's gonna come back with a vengeance. And in, in a way, actually, there may be a component of short-term withdrawal symptoms that you're experiencing because one of the hallmarks is sleep disturbance, anxiety, this sort of feeling of you know uh, uh, lack of control, anxiety. When you come off the drug, it's almost like you have a mini withdrawal. Some people actually even argue that uh, a hangover is a kind of, uh, can have components of a kind of a mini withdrawal. From yeah, I've heard, so, I've heard that, that a hangover is actually a withdrawal symptoms. Yeah, and Is again, I don't know enough about I don't know enough about the physiology because we we don't understand hangovers right, very well. Right. But except for the movies, which the first one was great and the other two sucked. By the way, I went on a uh, Between Two Ferns viewing marathon with my family. <laughs> very very enjoyable. Watch the movie if you haven't. It's totally dumb. It's amazing. Anyway, so yeah, so we don't we don't understand. But I think uh, that that's why clonopin these shorter acting benzos are more pro can be more problematic it's it, now you know what's interesting tom yeah. I, I, one other thing before i forget so we actually give long acting benzodiazepines in a taper to treat alcohol withdrawal right and sometimes we'll give them for patients to take home like here's a bunch of librium in a taper you take it two this day one this day then half then you're done or whatever and it's so so these these drugs actually help you get off uh detox from the alcohol it's really, you know, it, back in the day, they would, uh, people that were suffering from cocaine addiction, they would put on heroin back when, back when, yeah. back when Bayer was making heroin. Oh, <laughs> Do you know that? I mean, what a great, what a great, you know, it, start, it makes you start thinking about Suboxone right. and these uh, drugs. Oh from, my God. Know, okay. Just, okay. So here's the thing about Suboxone, dude. My, I have had like multiple friends because when I was in high school was when the opioid crisis was raging. And I, I knew a bunch of kids who died from opiate addiction. I had multiple friends that were addicted to opiate. And these are like suburban white kids who then went on to black tar heroin. Multiple. Mm. I mean, so many. And they have all told me to a person that Suboxone is harder to get off of than heroin. Well, I imagine because you'll have a withdrawal syndrome. Yeah, you know? and it's much it's yeah. much worse. They all said that heroin was like three days of having the flu. Suboxone was like months of misery, and they had to do they had to taper it and the whole thing. And some people never mm. never come off of it, you know. Well, maybe it's because they yeah maybe it's because they don't uh, just stop at cold turkey, you know. Right. So it's a slower process. You ever seen yeah. Have you ever seen Train Spotting? Where Ewan McGregor, ah, Ewan McGregor breaks down his methodology for getting off heroin, and he like locks himself in a room and gets a bunch of pints of ice cream, and basically just goes crazy for three days. <laughs> I saw it years ago. It's amazing. Heroin addicts also always want to take showers, hot showers. So like when they're getting off, when you're getting off heroin, you're going through withdrawals. Take a ton of hot showers, and that's one of the things that alleviates symptoms, I guess. You know what's interesting is that's the same as cannabis uh, hyperemesis. hyperemesis, right? That's yeah, right. There's some kind of thing going on. Why does everybody it? want to be addicted to drugs, Z? Why? I don't know, Tom. I like drugs too, but I don't want to be addicted to them. You know, it sucks. Is it what do you think what do you think addiction comes from? Do you think it's actually a genetic predisposition or do you think it's circumstantial? Oh my god, I think it's a mix of those things. I I, I well, actually this gets to this question of uh, mental illness, addiction, what is the cause? We reduce everything in this country to these DSM diagnoses and we say, well there's a clinical biochemical syndrome. I I think it's much more complicated than that. I think it's it's a lot of psychological and genetic. And what is genetic anyways? It's really like 
is just setting up your psychology. Right. 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 Uh, you know, it's like the momentum that leads into your mind forming is, is your genes. And so now you're left with the psychology and these interacting subminds trying to make decisions for you in the background. And th when they're in conflict, it manifests as quote unquote mental illness, you know, these psychological comments. I just read this really, so we're having a guest on the show, Leslie Carr. Um, who is a psychologist, and she sent me these really interesting articles that made me think, okay, we definitely have to get her on the show. So it's basically in cultures other than the US, mental illness manifests very, very differently. So there's this idea in Indonesia of running amok, where you, 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 these, these guys, mostly men, lose their minds, go on these murderous sprees, have amnesia. It's like a way of manifesting some psychic torment right uh. uh in you know in and then there's different things in different um cultures the way these illnesses manifest so what ended up happening is a fascinating thing so in hong kong anorexia nervosa the classic way we look at it in the west you know women young women especially starving themselves nearly to death um didn't was really unheard of right uh in until it turned out like one girl was uh, starving herself for some un unclear reason and died, like just basically collapsed and died on a train. And the news picked it up and it, the reporters basically looked to the Western literature for this and was like, oh, it's this thing, anorexia nervosa, and this girl had this because she was this and that and the other thing. And suddenly it became a cultural phenomenon in Hong Kong that anorexia started to just burst onto the scene, the Western conception of anorexia. And so the question is, are is this stuff, first of all, just constructed in a way by the mind? Well, yeah. Is it culturally uh, affected? Well, yeah. And are we damaging people by Westernizing mental illness and foisting these ideas on the world? So this idea that now we see everyone thinks they have anxiety and depression and they want to see a therapist. And the question is, have we created this partially through our crazy society? Well, not only that, but think about the uh, phenomenon of mass shootings that we're encountering at the moment. That... Yeah, mass shooting, right. same thing. That really only started uh, after Columbine and because of all the news coverage from Columbine. Yep, yep, yep. And and it's because we're intersubjective, conscious creatures wandering around the face of the earth, connected deeply, and so we affect each other, and health is just a manifestation of that underlying sort of psyche. I really think so. The older I get, the more spooky I get about this stuff, but I'm I'm convinced we have it wrong, we have it backwards. The reductionist approach is an iconography that we can understand and manipulate, but it's limited because it's not causative of these things. It's just a, it's a, it's it's correlated. So serotonin is correlated with depression. Right. Poor synapse, yeah, it's correlated with, is it causative? Is that what causes depression? Mm. I think, I think not. You know, um, do you remember The Exorcist, the original with Linda Blair? Oh, yeah. So the scariest part about The Exorcist is basically that the possession happens in your mind because you believe the possession is happening. That's mm. frightening. And that is mm. cl much closer to reality than I think any of us would like to admit. And this is why we, oh. this is why we shun people with true mental illness. You know, like my mother has true mental illness and uh, she is heavily shunned in society. Like we basically like throw a blanket over her and pretend like she doesn't exist because it's easier to do that because we're not really sure what's going on and it freaks us out to think that that could become us, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Even ideas of schizophrenia are very Western and influenced. Right. And yeah, it's really quite interesting. So well, there, there's a, you know, this is interesting too. There's a uh, phenomenon called allophrenia. Have you ever heard of it? 
Oh, I've heard so, of that. Yeah, what, what is that? Al- allophrenia is, it, for some people who uh, are in close contact with people who are schizophrenic, they will start to exhibit the symptoms of schizophrenia. And when you take them away from the person who is schizophrenic, they will no longer exhibit the symptoms of schizophrenia. Oh, that is- Completely unsurprising. And also, uh, very similar to the idea of folie à deux. Right. Where, yeah, you get a, uh, like a, a, a somebody with mental illness and then their partner starts to exhibit the same delusional thinking as the partner. We are deeply connected, you know, uh, by this this thread of awareness that uh, we deny at our peril. Yeah. And, and West, Western medicine denies it. Eastern medicine overly embraces it it's like it's all right right it's all chakra energy man it's like no 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 the truth is more nuanced than that uh but you know w- w- again we have to keep these are discussions that we need to have no totally in the it's, public it's super interesting yeah. because as like somebody who you know when i was a small kid my mom my dad was a workaholic uh, corporate guy so he was always at work and it was just me alone with my mother who is severe bipolar Uh, auditory hallucinations, et cetera. And so, you know, I was kind of her keeper at a young age and would have to anticipate her behavior and head it off at the pass and then react against it, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that conditioning is still like a part of me. Like I I actually can think in a sort of bipolar way, um, but I, Mm. I choose not to, you know what I mean? Mm. Because that's for whatever reason, I have that capacity to not, but she doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you can imagine like whatever parts of her subconscious that are mal malaligned or something happened or, you know, and again, genetics is the momentum. It's like the karma that comes into play, right, from the beginning that's passed on. It's like, okay, now I have this karma, whatever it is. And uh, uh, th- that momentum then carries you. And so there can either be increasing dysfunction or some degree of improved coherence. And I think that's what treatment is. And maybe the chemicals we use are really symbols for something else, but they help in some degree. Definitely therapy, right? You you found therapy very helpful just personally as a as for the betterment of well people, right? Yeah, I think I think therapy is, is really good, especially for somebody like me who's uh, had sort of an uh, you know, a lot of emotional neglect, childhood trauma. Um, therapy is just another person, you know, people always get therapy wrong when I talk to them and they're like, you know, here's the thing, bro. I know that I'm fucked up. Okay. I I don't need some therapist that I pay to tell me I'm fucked up. I know I'm fucked up. I know I do this stuff. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, you know, you know, you know, but the point of therapy is not self it's not really self-discovery it's about creating secure emotional uh attachment with another person and that's Mm. just going into your therapist office and being able to be like here's the thing that's really happening with me and not the lies i've been telling myself and trying to convince others of you know Mm. and when you feel like a secure space that you can actually say that uh that's when the healing actually starts and i'm not there i'm totally not there still doing the dance (laughs) hoping nobody's gonna notice but I'm trying, well, you, you, Z. I'm trying. Hey, even recognizing that is a uh, progress. Right, right. That's yeah, what I tell myself. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's good to tell yourself. I, no, I I I I think it's good that you're doing that. I I um I definitely could benefit from it. You but but haven't really just had the momentum to do it because I'm not dysfunctional enough on a daily basis uh, that it causes me so much suffering. Right, and I've I've used meditation as a proxy for that. Like, okay, maybe I can meditate myself out of this, but you can't. That's called spiritual bypass, by the way. It doesn't yeah. work. I'm, well, like, I'm you not, get woke. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not, um, I'm not affected on a daily basis either. Like I'm 
I'm really good at you. You know, you learn to be really good at faking it. So like just basically been faking it for 30 years and like, I'm pretty damn good at it. I could fake the way through, I could fake my way through the rest of my life. What I, the reason I'm in therapy is because now I have children and I don't, Mm. I do not want to press down upon them what was pressed down upon me, you know? Mm. And Mm. that happens in societies and, sorry, in families. And if you're, you know, going to stand up and say, I'm going to be the transitional character in my family. I'm going to be the person who stops this, whatever this is that's attached to me, that's been attached to people in my lineage since who knows how far back it goes. But it seems like it's been here for a long time. That's a very like brave thing to do. And uh, it's a hard fight to fight. So anybody who's out there trying to do that, like I salute you. And if you do it correctly, you know, your children are never going to know what you went through and nobody's ever going to see you for, uh, you know, no one's ever going to know how bad it was. It's just you and you have to basically absorb all of the pain and all of the trauma on your own. And that's a tall order for any human being, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's a good way to uh, end the podcast because that's a that's a if, if anybody picks up anything from this shit show of a podcast, uh, it should be that that even Tom Heineber understands that that shit is useful for the next generation and he is a piece of shit okay <laughs> just just saying no. no that's great i mean other thoughts no i think i think that's good i always think it's funny how me and you can uh just say the meanest shit to each other i think it's funny when people like like when i'm z's handler like if if i go with z someplace people always assume i'm like his handler i'm like i'm not you, you need to go ask z because he does his own thing like I don't speak for Z but like whenever you're speaking or whatever I'll be backstage and people will just like look at us the way we talk to each other like this guy's a fucking fat piece of shit like look at him (laughs) this guy this guy's a short bald ass you know what I'm saying like and they're they're always like what is going on I think it's because we both have chronically low self-esteem where we're just like yeah (laughs) I think you're right I think it's good because I like being just absolutely ridiculed by someone that uh, <laughs> I get along with like it it actually feels good it's kind of like a torture that I like no you know? it's it's that's why like dudes who can't handle that you know like when you have a male friend and you like start make start oh. making fun of his pants or something and he's like bro yeah. I'm going home man you're being a dick and it's like dude you failed this test so bad yes okay yes <laughs> yes I'm with you right like if, if you cannot be a good friend of mine if you can't dish out and receive a lot of abuse. I was watching. It's just I was watching the roast of Alec Baldwin. Did you see any of that? It was really funny. No. And uh, you know, Alec Baldwin's like, like yeah, Alec Baldwin's a pretty big asshole. But what I was, uh, what I was impressed by is that he can take it as well as give it out because he sat there and took some pretty serious barbs all night, and it was it's hilarious. You should definitely check it out. Oh, I'll check it remember out. His, yeah, see, remember like his remember his daughter that he did he left the voice oh, yeah. the voicemail for and he called her like a fat little piggy and stuff like that. Like yeah, yeah. she she got up and roasted him for ten minutes, called him a terrible father. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> oh, that's that's outstanding. So good. For some reason, if I ever got famous, I feel like that's gonna be my story. Like my kids are gonna get up and be like, Yeah, you guys see him on the lives, you know, he's all friendly with his kids. The minute that shit comes off, he's like, You fuckers ruined my show. Bro, you are famous, man, in hospitals all across America. Okay. Yeah, you know, that's a that's the kind of niche fame that I've always, <laughs> I've always dreamed of having to. It's like, here's the thing. Anytime I walk into a Pinkberry, I'm famous there, okay? Pinkberry's my spot. <laughs> you know? Uh, uh, they know me. Uh, They're like, hey, you're, uh, you're that guy that always licks the glass. I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and on 
on that note, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the uh, the podcast listeners this is this is a podcast. It's an audio thing, but you can see it on YouTube. If you like what we're doing, become a supporter. Go to facebook.com forward slash become supporter forward slash ZDogMD. Join the supporter tribe. It's five bucks a month. We use it on drugs and Klonopin <laughs> and hookers and Tom's adult diapers and all kinds of shit like that. So we appreciate you, ZPAC. We're trying to have conversations that people aren't willing to have, especially doctors, because they're all scared they're going to lose their jobs. Well, I've already lost my job, so I don't give a fuck. Right, Tom? That's not true. Z still rounds. He's still a real doctor. Don't listen to him. That. That's true, but they don't pay me, which means I've lost my job. That's true. As far as my dad's concerned. That's yes. <laughs> Your dad's. There was, a, there was a great joke about Ken Jeong at the Alec Baldwin roast where uh, Jeff Ross got up there and he was like, Ken Jeong is a doctor, a comedian, a television personality, or as it's known in Korea, a failure. <laughs> oh, that's a thousand percent true. So good. Oh, my God. So good. So I will see everyone at the trans catheter therapeutics conference at the moscone center in san francisco this thursday september something 2019 that'll be a fun thing i'm gonna i'm gonna perform some songs and inspire people to overthrow the system that's paying them a ton of money <laughs> that's gonna work well it's gonna work real well <laughs> all right what do you think tom Heinemann? Think did we, we do this we did it rounds? we did a thing bro we did morning rounds in the afternoon because we rule uh All right, fam. I love you. Uh, We're out. Bye-bye, Tommy Heineber. Peace. Peace. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. (laughs) And so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I want to hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is, Financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st- really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.